Welcome to Parent Talk Podcast, the podcast for busy parents, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks to make parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Becca U. Lewis. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 5 of Parent Talk, everything parenting and more. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle, the five, mom of two, and I'm, of course, with my co-host, Becca U. Lewis. Hi, Becca. Hi, I'm Becca, and I'm the co-host of Parent Talk and also a mom of two, uh, and we're really excited to have another opportunity to learn and grow with our children today. So let's welcome another wonderful guest to help us do that. Yes. So today we are talking about how to manage stubborn behavior in children. And we have with us uh, Sonia Latifpour. Sonia is a registered clinical social worker, owner of Bright Star Counseling in Port Moody, and a mom of four children. <laughs> so hi, Sonia. And actually, hi. welcome welcome back to Parent Talk Podcast. We already uh, have recorded a few episodes with you in the past. Yes, I'm so happy to be back. Yeah, and hi, no. Becca. Hi, good to see you. Awesome, awesome. Well, stubborn behavior, it's a big one. I think we can all talk about it, even between, uh, even between, I would say, husband and wife, you know, not only with children, right? (laughs) In life in general, but let's, let's talk about children today. But anyway, so let's start. So is it normal uh, for my child to be stubborn? Yes, yes, yes. I think we all, we all have moments where we are feeling stubborn and unbending and don't want to compromise or see a different perspective. So yes, stubbornness, it's a developmental milestone necessity in a sense, because it is learning to say, learning to say no is a skill. So you especially see that between two and four-year-olds, Becca, I'm sure you can relate. We both have four-year-olds where a lot of it is I do alone I do alone I want to do it myself and they are learning at this age to assert their will and we call these kids often who are especially good at this to say no or they're kind of our big feelers our strong-willed children and parents are often so exasperated parenting these types of kids but they actually have skills that will really be helpful for them later on in in life it is just in that moment we need to get out the door when those shoes need to be on that is probably the most frustrating part um, of parenting uh, especially kids that tend to be more stubborn than others so these are beautiful passionate little little creatures that are often really fiercely determined and often these are the children of parents that share these personality traits which can create a windstorm of emotions in in the home And the more the child digs into their stubbornness, um, the more the parents does as well. So it creates a certain dynamic um, in in the family because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that way. And that's some of them. This is besides being a developmental milestone in a sense, it's also a a personality trait. Um, Yeah, I really see stubbornness on a spectrum. So there's some children where no is always the default. Nope, nope, nope. That's the first thing out of their mouth. While others, it's yes. And I'm super flexible on when that yes will happen. So that's really the the other extreme. Um, On one end, we kind of have the stubbornness. On the other, we have flexibility. So flexibility is really the opposite of being stubborn. And depending on their age, and then there's the time of day and hours of sleep and changes in the environment, 
kids slide up and down the spectrum much as we do as, as adults. So if you've lost your job or you've had a fight with your spouse and aren't feeling or feeling high levels of anxiety, then you'll be far less likely to be able to be flexible about the fact that the dinner you're eating is a little bit burnt. So our, our tolerance for being flexible is diminished depending on what sorts of other environmental factors um, we have going on. So first, the good news is that being stubborn is helpful and great in later in life. Um, where it often becomes difficult is when that asserting independence, so looks like wanting to get dressed alone, putting on straps in a car seat, figuring how to take the sticker off or off um, a, a paper. Um, those are all important milestones as a child develops um, a sense of self. Um, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you're, you're like speaking to my soul because, you know, you say it runs in families and my husband's yeah. always like, that's you coming out right now. <laughs> you know, when the kids, like you said, you know, they just do not want to wear the rain boots. So yeah. We live in Vancouver, you know, rain boots are a necessity. And then all of a sudden it's like, no, we're not wearing rain boots today. That's not happening. Yeah. Like, all right. And then, you know, one parent's exasperated and yeah, like what, what can we, what can we do about that? Yeah, these kids really shine in, in their perseverance. I mean, it, it's it's admirable how far they will take um, their no or what they have in mind and what they want to do. So I, I always I always say to parents too, you know, you're, you're, you may ra be raising the next CEO or the next world leader. It, it's just a matter of getting through toddlerhood to, to be able to see the fruition of these these skills. But um, it's not it's not it's not all bad as frustrating as it is for the now I think parenting really is playing the long game you're, you're not just focusing on the now you're also looking down down the road what things will look like well that's really great to know because my, my husband said to my son yesterday you pick a really weird hill to die on um, <laughs> as he refused to do a very what we thought was a very small chore um, but yeah. you know can can stubbornness be a, a problem it sounds like we're raising these amazing little individuals who are so stubborn in the beginning but can it be a problem Huh. Yes, it seems like a problem every time you try to get your preschooler out the door, and he's stubbornly insisting he wants to tie his own shoelaces. So absolutely. I mean, I like to tell parents that many things we see in kids is a is a phase. And I say that with respect, as I do have four kids on my own, I'm, I've raised four kids as well, and understand kind of the frustration. Um, but your child will learn the benefits of asking for help and trying things differently than imagine. Um, there are just developmental consideration that need to be looked at and they at, at a very young age, they're unable to take someone else's perspective. So a little bit of brain science. I'm a love brain science. It's always an interesting way. To, I do too. <laughs> to see your child, right? When you can, no, I, I find brain science makes us understand why and what's yeah. happening, right? Yeah. yeah. That helps with, um, with your own frustration, understanding that these, these brains are, uh, you know, an, an eighth baked, a half baked by middle, by middle childhood and not even close to an adolescence. So, um, I think when you understand what happens in your child's brain, it's easier to move them through stubbornness. So first part really of this is the perspective taking ability. So you need to be able to put your own thoughts on hold in order to take another person's perspective. So that means you need to ignore your own opinion and consider someone else, consider someone else's. 
So we, we call that cognitive flexibility. Um, I know adults that can't do this. So asking our, our little guys to do that is also a, a tall order. But at the two and a half years old, you see the, see the beginnings of, of a little bit of empathy happening. And by seven, eight, they're actually truly can understand someone else's perspective. Um, and of why it could be different from their own. That's an important piece. They need to understand why someone else might have a different perspective. And you need, need this to consider that someone else may have a better solution or understand what's going back to how going back to get your backpack when you forgot it at home impacts a parent's work responsibilities, just an example. So really, until you have a seven and eight year old, it's really hard for them to understand that as a parent, you have needs, you need to get somewhere because their needs, they, they are set up this way. Um, children are really good at advocating for their own needs and wants supposed to be like that. This is how they get the care that they need. So have trying to get a young child to understand that you are frustrated and need to go back home because you need to get something that they really want for preschool can't happen. That's a, it's a tall order for them. So when you're frustrated, your four-year-old for not taking your um, perspective into consideration, they honestly just can't yet. Um, so the underlying stubbornness is a difficulty in being flexible. So stubbornness is essentially caused by a lack of flexibility and you need a certain amount of cognitive flexibility, um, which really requires the ability to adapt your behavior to a certain situation. Um, kind of we call this executive functioning so in this part it happens in the the prefrontal cortex of your brain and that's actually one of the last parts to develop and isn't even fully online until the age of 25. so wow this is why yeah that's big sometimes make these this impulsive decisions and can't think through something or will dig their heels into something so i think remembering that that things aren't really finished and not all online yet. And, and it, it's, a, it's a developmental con consideration. Um, so when your brain needs to do is juggle multiple perspectives and consider multiple problem solving scenarios all at once. So it's a quite uh, a task for a child, even, even for adults. Um, children with ADHD um, really struggle with this aspect. Um, so be more likely to have the stubbornness in a child with ADHD or markers for symptoms of, of, of ADHD. That executive functioning is, is um, impaired there and you really need that um, part of your brain to, to be working somewhat in order not to be stubborn and use that flexibility that you need. Um, a child who's anxious is also more likely to struggle with stubbornness as they are um, inflexible by nature. These children like routine if they're anxious and they rely kind of on these expected outcomes to feel safe because it really brings down uh, their anxiety. So asking a socially anxious child to wear a different set of shoes, I always use shoes because that was a, always a big thing, especially with one of my, one of my stubborn kids. Um, so asking a child to wear a different set of shoes because the other ones are dirty may likely be met with kind of the stubborn outrage. But what's really going on is struggle to see various perspectives that go into the making the decision to wear different shoes. So for this child, the anxiety is so high, um, maybe they'll be laughed at for wearing the wrong shoes or the wrong color. And that really trumps any perspective taking. So when you have high level of emotion, that part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex that you need to be flexible, that's just not online because it's flooded with all the other, with the, all the other emotions. Um, 
so in this case, anxiety, it, it freezes the child, it floods the child's brain. And all that matters is that they want to wear those original shoes. And then you, that's really where you see that, that, that stubborn behavior um, come out. But it's really, it's an in, inability to even access that part of the brain that we need um, in order to you know, work through a stubbornness. Mm-hmm. Um, so problematic, I mean, on the extreme end of stubbornness, there's a, a type of defiance we call oppositional defiance disorder. And this is really this kind of persistent, frequent and consistent pattern of not tolerating any other's perspectives than their own. Um, this includes not accepting adult rules and limits. Um, we won't go into that, but there are many reasons why children might have this diagnosis, including um, trauma, sensory issues. I'll pick up on that a little bit later. And um, uh, so really, I mean, that's the, really the extreme end. Most children fall somewhere in the middle of this stubborn spectrum and really slowly build up the skills for perspective taking and cognitive flexibility that's needed to cooperative, to be cooperative. So seeing it as a, a skill or a lack of having that skill yet, I think frames it very differently um, for a parent than thinking of your child is just wanting to be stubborn to to irritate you or because they just feel like it. They're complex reasons um, and developmental consideration why this is happening. Mm-hmm. So we can't take it personally. That's what you're saying, right? I don't think you can ever take parenting personally. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the teenagers. Oh, yeah, I know. Okay, well, so what can I do now uh, when my child is being stubborn? Yeah, it's a million-dollar question. I I love that as a podcast. Given the information, then what do I do? So Mm -hmm. this is where I'm always under under pressure to come up with a one 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 easy type of solution. But but there is there is not. If only it was easy. Um, Parenting a spared stubborn child takes call it some parenting ninja because you are facing a stubborn child head-on can lead to a great deal of conflict um and i think it's more about coming up beside them maintaining your own calm and getting ahead of the problem so really front loading them before you ever get into a situation where they can really um dig in but my you know my first response to this is always like any behavior in childhood is the why So why is your child being stubborn? Um, Really looking at what happened during the day for your child. How did they sleep? So a child who hasn't slept well, much less likely to be ability to be flexible. Did they argue with their friends? It can be something small where everyone ran out for lunch recess and they weren't explicitly asked to join. They feel rejected. They just don't feel good. So behaviors in children, um, they tell a story about how your child is is feeling. And children are not very good at matching a feeling to a behavior. They're they're just not yet. And they'll not know, um, for example, that um, a friend went out for recess and left them out, that this caused them to be hurt and upset, which meant that they were grumpy all afternoon and now they don't want to share their snack with a sibling. So it's a whole kind of chain of events and emotions that likely will happen to your child in the day. And you're just kind of seeing the tip of the iceberg of saying, no, I don't want to share my snack. And you're thinking, why you've had a great day. You were at school. I, you didn't tell me anything happened that was wrong because they cannot tie back that emotion back to an event. They're just not very good at that yet. Um, 
I, I always smile when I hear the exasperated parent after school said, why did you do that? Because nine out of 10 times, they'll not be able to really tell you other than that they maybe they feel bad or they're upset in general. Um, so really scanning environmental factors is, is the first step um, in, in, in managing uh, stubborn behaviors. So you're, you're not going to dig in about something where you know your child had barely slept, you're going to move on, you're going to think of an early bedtime, you're going to manage it on a, on, a, on a bigger, in a bigger um, approach than, than getting in, into it with your child about what shoes it's going to be. Um, so really kind of looking for the upsets um, of the day. Um, behaviors meet a need and being stubborn can feel good as it makes you feel like you're in, in control a little bit in so power, maybe, right? Well, yeah. So they mm. have very little choice during the day. They're kind of sent to school. They don't decide what time they don't understand. They don't decide when they eat. They don't decide when they go to play. They have very little control in, in their life. So what they can control is say is little things. So on the extreme end, you know, we've got kind of the, the bowel control that, that that's really something about their body that they control, or they can, they can control not sharing, not giving something back, taking a toy. Those are things within their control. Um, so being stubborn can feel good because it feels like control. So maybe at school, they didn't have control over being left out or included, but you have control about whether you're going to share your treat with your siblings. Boy, do you have control over that. And boy, are you going to exert that control because that feels good. Um, and when a child feels a sense of control, that lowers the frustration and anxiety and emotions in general. So it meets their need of managing some of their big feelings. Um, so now that we know why children are stubborn, um, a trick to kind of take the wind out of the sail, so to speak, is to name it. Um, and we do this with really any type of um, big emotion that we see in children. Um, so for example, saying, you know, you're not wanting to share your, your, your treat, you feel it's your treat, and you were not expecting to share it, you know, then we have the child sniffle, sniffle, yeah, that's exactly what I was upset about. Ping, something lights up in the brain. Whoa, mom gets it, dad gets me. They understand that sharing is hard for me. Someone's just stopped for a second and acknowledged that I'm not feeling really great. And that already takes a lot of that emotional volume out of their, it turns down the emotional volume a little bit in, in what they're feeling. Um, so you've named it. You're not going to problem solve. I mean, parents love to problem solve the situation because we're forever in a hurry. We want to get going. We just need them to share and stop fighting. Um, so... Um, really being able to give a lot of empathy to that. So it's hard to share. I remember not wanting to share when I was a sibling. Aha, the child's, yes, they get it. They also have experienced the same thing. Okay, I feel heard by this time. Usually you've lowered some of that emotional volume and the child has a chance to access a bit of that executive functioning. Remember, that's what we need in order to access that cognitive flexibility that we need for them not to be stubborn. So bringing down that strong emotion um, is an important part and we can do when we are dealing with a stubborn child. Um, so now you've brought the emotion down, your child feels hurt, someone gets them, and then you can frame, frame the problem. So you're upset, you don't wanna share, it's really hard for you to share. Hmm. Let's see how we can solve the problem. Your sister has no treat and she's really sad and you have the treat. You're upset. 
can make a joke now. What can we do? Can we use a magic wand and make 500 treats out of this? Then we can all share. Can we make a thousand treats out of this? And then you see a little bit of that lightness coming in the child. You're joking around. You are the beginnings of the problem solving, which is a big part of overcoming stubbornness. Um, and moving the child to a place so out of their brain where they're all emotion to a place where they're using that frontal um, part of their brain and being able to problem solve mm-hmm. um, by bringing the emotion down. Um, another thing which is really important, I mean, Becca, you're talking about this before, is how often parents and child share some of these, these traits. So modeling flexibility is really important. Um, even just talking out loud, if you're in the kitchen, you're making dinner. Um, I really want to cook my spaghetti with, with meat sauce and where's the meat. Oh, I can't possibly make it without the meat. No spaghetti sauce. Spaghetti sauce must always have meat. And then cue the flexible thinking. And then you can involve your child. Hey, I have a problem. Can, can you help problem solve? Um, children love to jump in and give their, give their opinion, especially if you're talking aloud to yourself. Um, so this is my problem. What, what do I do? Wow, mom, you can make something you made yesterday. You can make it without the meat sauce. And then really wanting to praise that afterwards. You are a really good at being a problem solver. Hey, that's amazing. You, you helped me solve my problem. That's flexible thinking. So nice work on being flexible. I really like how you did that. Um, I often hear parents say, why couldn't you have done that this morning when we had the issue with the shoe? So really mm, try to just leave it as the praise, recognizing that they helped you with something and not tie that back. Um, that'll come, that piece where they put it together, where they need to use, when they need to use their flexible thinking. But at the beginning, you want them on board, you want the buy-in that you're making it fun, you're making a game, and they feel good because you are praising a certain aspect of their personality that you want to develop, especially in kids that tend to be stubborn. They really need help in learning the skill. Um, yeah, I think it's awesome. If I asked this of my kids when I'm in the middle of making dinner, I probably would have a spaghetti with Legos in it or things yeah. like that. That's probably will be their contribution. But I, yeah. you know, you know what? You, you got to watch for what you ask for, right? And it's the exercise. It doesn't matter what the how it's solved. That's really yes. not the important. Part. The important part, the exercise here, is coming up with different options and and trying to solve a problem because that's what they're going to learn for their own. So it doesn't matter if it's like, it can be outrageous. Anything's on the table because it's all about practicing, practicing that. And, you know, natural consequences are life's best teachers for kids sometimes. So, I mean, you're going to obviously as a parent looked at safety consideration, but you know what, if the shoes are mismatched or they're shorts and it's, it's weather where they should be wearing pants, let them wear shorts. These are valuable lessons that, that, that children can learn within a, within a safe environment and and they will come home with someone may say why are you wearing different shoes and everybody asked me about my shoes hmm I'm going to maybe rethink that decision next time and you've had nothing to do with it and you are just there to listen to your child come home and tell them about life's natural consequences so I think whenever possible um, especially kids who tend to be on the stubborn some of them need to learn through experience this is their best teacher um, yeah, I love that one too. I use it all the time. Yeah. But now, uh, Sonia, mm-hmm. what do we do? Uh, do we need to worry or should we seek help? Um, I, I think 
most of, I mean, what we've been talking about is that every child de um, develops a little bit differently. Um, now that you can use some of these to kind of to foster some of these, these skills, there are still times when you might want to look further. And um, if you suspect your child's unable to follow kind of simple direction, it's not paying attention, you feel like it's he, he or she's not listening to you, is not taking that information in. Um, sensory as you I did say that at this at the beginning and we see more and more in kids and recognizing that this is um, something that children do often experience and again can't put that can't say I'm feeling frustrated because I know what it is the tags on my shirt are really bothering me or the pants feel like sandpaper on my skin there's no way you are going to be able to be flexible if you feel like you're wearing sandpaper you you, you cannot access that part of your brain that you need to be flexible um, so keeping an eye on, on, on sensory issues, if it's too loud. Um, so this is what I was talking about before this, this kind of window of tolerance. Um, and that's when a child is so distressed that they can't um, manage to access that flexibility that they need. So when you, I mean, we know this as, as well as, as adults, if we've had a bad day, if we've had a fight with our spouse or we've, it's just, we've had a bad day coming home to children fighting, you have very little capacity to manage that because your, your cups already full with other stresses and same thing for, for children, if especially sensory issues um, um, or, or subs, just needing to move all the time, not being able to sit still, they are, they are, they are seeking, they are seeking um, sensory input or they're, they're seeking um, environmental stimu stimulation to manage themselves. So when there's something going on underneath that, we want to look at that to make sure we address that. Um, we address that first. And we're always kind of looking at, so how frequent are, are these stubborn episodes or these meltdowns sometimes you see kids kind of just withdrawing you feel like your child really withdraws you ask them to do things more and more and again again and again and they're just withdrawing silent tears um big big blowouts again completely normal as well but really if it's happening all the time the intensity is always very intense and in different situations you might want to um just take a look um, take them to a mental health professional or family doctor, pediatrician, just to make sure that everything's looked at. So your child is not struggling unnecessarily when there's supports that can be put in place just to bring down that, that frustration so they can um, access all they need to, to be able to take different perspectives and be flexible thinkers. Awesome. Well, Sonia, thank you so much for all this amazing information. Like Becca was saying, uh, you're, you're speaking to my soul right now <laughs> and to hers. But uh, Sonia, we can find you on our panel of experts with all your other podcasts you have done. Uh, where else can we find you? Uh, you can find me at brightstarcounseling.com. Um, you can, we're right in Port Moody in Tri-Cities. So we're, uh, we're always here. As well, you can send me an email, Sonia at brightstarcounseling.com. If you have any, any questions, I'm happy to answer. Awesome. Well, that concludes today's episode. Becca and I once again want to say thank you, Sonia, for taking the time to be here. I know you're busy and bring so much value to all of us parents, helping us grow and be the best parents we can be. Thank you. It was so lovely. And thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming to talk to you. Well, every year, Sonia, right? That's <laughs> So for our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please contact 
the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. It's easy to find us there. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and now on YouTube at Parent Talk TV. You can always subscribe to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we're inviting you to share it on your social media. As we all know, parenting can be difficult, can be interesting, right? So remember, it's important to laugh, keep learning, cherish your village because we all need a village and be true to yourself. So thank you for joining us today and have a great week. Bye. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.